press start. Hello, all you cartridge blowers out there. This is N64 Life with myself, Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff. On the old Twitter, your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time. Yes, the Nintendo 64. And we're back for part two of a mini history of Zelda. And thank you so much for your feedback. I really appreciate it. And that made me make the decision this week that, or over the last couple of weeks, that the mini histories will continue because we start hitting those 25-year anniversaries as of September. So a mini-histories will continue. And today, well, whilst I'm recording this, uh, not for you when you're listening, Conquer turned 20, which was a bit of a random moment for me because I've made this decision that the mini-histories will continue on the 25th anniversaries, and I thought, God, I'll be still doing this in five years' time. And I didn't feel daunted by that. I actually felt a bit sad because I was like, oh, God, this this podcast, not like other podcasts that I've done, almost has an end game where we will see the end of N64 life or maybe it will incorporate into different bits and pieces by then. We, we just don't know, really. But that has felt a bit random for me. I've got to admit that we, we are at the beginning of our journey. However, there's almost like this impending five years time where the console starts to wrap up and it will be like well where do we go from here um which will be interesting we'll find that all out together over the next five years shall we there's no point in speculating yet um because as i sort of of dropped in there conquer turns 20 uh or today on the 5th of uh, march um he, he turns 20 um, and we've got the Conquer versus Silicon Valley coming up uh, in the battle for Jinjos. All will become clear on what, why those two games have been put together, because it is a bit of a random pairing, I get it, but there is a reason why. Um, and you can listen to that in two weeks' time. But we are here for a mini history of Zelda Part 2. And this is where things get a bit darker so let's do this So we left it on the 21st of the 11th, 1998, when Ocarina of Time had been launched. And at this point, how do you follow up the greatest game of all time? It's not an easy undertaking. If you copy it, then people will go, well, it's just the same as before. If there's not that nostalgic element of mixing what people are familiar with with something different, it it loses the magic that Ocarina of Time had. And at this point, we go back to Miyamoto. 
Miyamoto's got his 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 brain in full gear, and he wanted to really make the use out of. They, they spent four years, four years creating uh, Zelda 64, or what would be called Ocarina of Time. So he wanted to cash in on it, and it makes sense. On a business sense, you want to cash in on the greatest game of all time, but how do you do that? And that's where we come down to that little device again called the 64DD. And it makes sense because that's exactly what the 64DD was meant to be. It was meant to be an expansion because, as we know, a year prior the N64 being launched, there were two consoles that came out on the market. Them two consoles were the obviously the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn. Now, the Sega Saturn was the sort of the flop out of these, <laughs> I would say. No offense to any Sega Saturn fans out there. But that PlayStation, that PlayStation obviously had Nintendo worried at this point because of the capabilities of these cartridges, how much you could store on these cartridges. So that 64DD, they, they cashed in on. And we all know what happened. It didn't work. It, it didn't sell. It just did not sell to the point of where they completely and utterly withdrew it from the market. So at this point, we have Nintendo trying to make the greatest game of all time even better. And we come to our main protagonist in this story. Now, as we said in the last podcast, a lot of people went into creating Ocarina of Time. And one of those people, the person that created all those lovely dungeons, including the water temple that everyone loves, was Eiji Aonuma. Now, Eiji Aonuma was set with the challenge of creating these the dungeons that he did and remastering their designs and completely redoing them over. Now, at this point, Eiji didn't really want to. He wanted to create his own Zelda game. And what he did was he started developing uh, new dungeons in the background without Miyamoto knowing until he could pluck up the courage to turn around to Miyamoto and say, I want to do a completely new Zelda game. Now, before we go on to that new Zelda game that he wanted to do, obviously what they were working on for the 64DD was Aura Zelda. Now, there's massive rumours that Aura Zelda, you know, was not the Master Quests. People believe that it was the Master Quest. People believe that it wasn't the Master Quests. In my opinion, I think it was partially what they were doing for Zelda Aura. I think that, yeah, definitely the re-level designs and everything that's come out since with the development of Zelda Gaiden, I I think that personally it was partly what Zelda Aura would be. Now, we never saw Zelda Aura, in my opinion, in its fullest. It's open to debate, date, though. If you believe it was Master Quests, you're not wrong, I'm not right. This is all perception. And this game that we're just about to go into for Zelda Gaiden was all about perception. So, in January 1999, he finally finds the courage to go to Miyamoto and say, I want to create this new Zelda game. And Miyamoto accepts. However, he gives him a deadline of one year. 
one year. The development cycle for Ocarina of Time was four years. He, Miyamoto has given him one year. Not only that, he only gave him 70% of the Ocarina of Time staff. So at this point, it's massive challenges. And these challenges in the development cycle really do... <laughs> show <laughs> let's put it that they do really really show so at this point they've started the development on ocarina of time and yoshiaki uh, yoshiaki kazumi is bought in now yoshiaki kazumi has this great idea that a game that's based over a certain amount of days and going back to revisit different areas or the same area over and over again to get different outcomes and actually live the lives of these people in these situations. So it was set. So Kazumi took the element of being able to control the people and the story and then Ayanuma did the overworld, the dungeons, and did what he did best, and that was puzzles. He loved puzzle elements to these games. So we we come into the development cycle of this game and as we know this game does not include navi so a navi is gone we've got no guide so we need someone to create us a map of where we get oh, yeah. <laughs> hello tingle <laughs> we'll come on to you in a minute um but tingle's gonna be helped is here to help us uh, guide us through the development cycle and the game itself and obviously last time around i was joined by two lovely people and that was misha and harriet and they are back to go through the gameplay of this game however we've got even though it was only a year's development cycle we've got a lot to go through because as i said before Miyamoto had only given the two of them 70% of the Ocarina of Time staff, which meant that they were pushed against the year deadline, with not as many people working on this game, which meant that people became tired, people became ratty, people be they were doing extremely long hours and in fact there's certain things in the game itself where this 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 actually resonates because because um Aonuma actually started to have dreams of being chased by deku scrubs he started to have these dreams of being chased by deku scrubs and he came in the day after and somebody who created this dream state of link being chased by deku scrubs so it's really funny that you know that they were so immersed into this their day-to-day -day lives creating this game actually leaked through and jason loom who was the english screenplay writer actually said that there were things in there that that were written in that were very much the developers talking to Miyamoto, I think, because the characters were saying that they couldn't go home to see their wives. The mayor says at one point, let's not bring our wives into this, which was supposedly a common phrase used around the studio. Now, they did get a little bit of respite, a little bit of respite, as the team went off to South Korea to celebrate a wedding of one of the development team. Now, 
at the time, North Korea were firing, firing over missiles to South Korea. And it made the team think of how this could be this massive happy celebration in a time where death is staring them in the face. And that was a really good concept of, actually, we have these three days, but what happens if at the end of these three days, it's the end of the world? So they went back, and Miyamoto could tell that the team were extremely tired. They were getting very ratty, and he said to uh, Aonuma that he could have more time. At this point, Aonuma took it as a personal offence to him, that saying that he couldn't meet his deadline, that he couldn't... He, he took it so, so personally that he actually declined. He declined the extra time. So, mid-1999 rolls around and Zelda Gaiden is shown off at Space World on the August 27th to 29th. And at this point, the first images of Majora's Mask, or what will become Majora's Mask, are shown. And you can see these images, and they're, they're out there on YouTube, they are out there, you can go and search them, that they're unmistakably Majora's Mask. Where, where with the Ocarina of Time, you know, massive changes happened over a very long period of time, you can see in this that you've got the clock tower, you've got the timer, the shield, even the Hyrule shield is identical. You've got the masks at play. You know, excluding some baddies and some level designs or some textures, it is Majora's Mask, which is, I think absolutely astonishing because obviously they only had a reduced amount of time so they had to reuse which is fairly obvious with the characters being reused but a reuse of character models um to to, to you know to reduce that time down now at the same show or i'll be really honest that it's really mixed I believe it is at that same space world apologies if i am slightly out with this a video was shown a video was shown of the gameplay and it showed the deku it showed the goron and it showed the zora and i mean yet again unmistakably in this de tech demo it wasn't it's real life gameplay absolute real life gameplay in this game now at this point Majora's Mask is named as Majora's Mask. Zelda Gaiden, which I've got, I always remember seeing it in magazines as Zelda Gaiden, and it wasn't until just before release that I noticed that the name had changed. But the name is announced, and on the 27th of the 4th, 2000, Majora's Mask hits shelves in Japan. Now, absolutely astonishing. If you love this game, if you hate this game, it is the Marmite of Zelda games. You can say that this thing, to come out in a year into development, is just breathtaking. It's breathtaking. There's nothing else to say. It is absolutely breathtaking for this game to come out so quickly. Now, it's close enough to be a sequel. Far enough to be a new experience. But... There's one thing that is clear. We are now about to go, not into a fairy tale, but into a complete, darker side 
of Zelda. So where our story with Link left off last time around, he was sent back, back seven years to his childhood because Zelda felt that it was the right thing to do, which means that he went and informed Zelda of all the evil things that were just about to happen, which means he was able to stop Ganondorf and Ganondorf was arrested and set to execution, which means that he was never the hero of time so this outcast is now directionless and it doesn't explain why but Navi then leaves him possibly because his mission had been accomplished but he was by himself and after a summer of love no no that, come on we're going dark here we don't need any of that <laughs> but after a summer with Zelda he decides that it's best that he goes and finds his friend Navi and goes and ventures into the woods of Hyrule. Now, if you remember in the game, you had the sad man. And when getting the Biggeron sword in Ocarina of Time, he disappears when he uh, you go and give him his medicine. And the little girl informs you that anybody who ventures into the forest will be lost. Which I said on a stream is very daunting <laughs> and a bit creepy. But Link ventures off into the forest itself and leaves Hyrule behind. And whilst riding through the forests on Epona, he comes across three individuals. Two of them fairies, not Navi, Tattle and Teal. Brother and sister fairies. So... With this, one is white, one is purple, which almost represents the dark and the light, which is great because they do get separated later and we'll come on to that. But they're also accompanied by a Skull Kid. Not any old Skull Kid, though. This Skull Kid you interacted with in Ocarina of Time. You interacted with this Derry Skull Kid. Now, he seems to be wearing an eerie-looking mask. And after stealing Epona, Link chases up after them, going through wooded areas, going through almost doorways into a parallel universe and falling into this parallel universe. Now, this is where Zelda gets dark. If we're going into really, really crazy, 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 maximum crazy territory, Do it. okay. Um, Do it. So, Link literally has to, in order to stop, you know, it's like he he has to keep going back in order to stop things from going awry. Because, I mean, don't forget, even when you complete the game, when you reload, you're still back at the beginning of the loop. So he's got he 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 has to rip the fabric of the fabric of space time clean in half every every so often yeah you know, on the regular just to stop from dying now now you get into some of the because not only could those temporal disruptions 
cause um, major rifts and potentially widen any schisms in branching paths of reality. Let's think about, okay, let's think about a game, maybe a very recent one. I'm not entirely up on the mythology, but, you know, a recent Zelda game, maybe, that involves um, substantial uh, time time skips and a world that's, uh, that, you know, how, I mean, how long had, how long was the whole Breath of the Wild thing? Yeah, because Breath of the Wild, if I'm right in saying, because I haven't played it, Breath of the Wild, you sort of get frozen in time, where we were saying with Link pulling out the Master Sword, he doesn't get frozen, he gets goes forward in time as well. But this version of Link is actually frozen in time, isn't he? He's cryogenically frozen, I think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he's no, he's so I'm just, No, I'm just wondering about how much of a, how much of a, how much of a, I mean, because the, because the Link, Ocarina of Time was a stable time loop, mm-hmm. basically. You know, at the end of it, you went back and uh, you went back and took the long way round to getting back to the good future. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't skip out the seven years at the end of it all. But the, so, my okay, my working crazy ass theory is that the continuing, the the basically the the ripples of the ripples in the multiverse caused by <laughs> link perpetually having to reset um termina yeah is is just wreaking havoc across the uh the the multiverse of and if you really wanted to you could actually blame that for any and all inconsistencies of any Zelda game prior. <laughs> no, or, or, prior. Before, after, during. So because it's, it's all it's, Link's it's, fault. It's, all, it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey flinty <laughs> <laughs> So, so him bucking about with uh, Terminal's uh, timeline too much has created. Yeah, so many problems in time and yeah. space. Is that what you're trying to you say? Know, I mean, it's it, got uh, proper Doctor uh, yeah, Who yeah. with this. At this point, <laughs> the, uh, basically, the only way that the only way that that is going to get fixed is if um, is if the next mask that you know it suddenly comes across a new mask, and it's this like you know weird sort of um, silver face with the handles on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then suddenly, there's this sound like uh, piano like keys being pulled back across the piano strings, and this, you know, <laughs> this random guy with a screwdriver turns up and says, "No, seriously, don't put that on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've reached, so you've reached now the point, you yeah, you've, you've reached the point, the point that your theory has the, your theory has now turned around and said Link will be the first Cyberman. Termin- the Link's antics in Termina have destabilised the space-time continuum to the point where it's either going to require either the Doctor or possibly Adam Warlock and the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> or, or, Rick, or Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> Except no, but no, Rick from... No, if it was Rick from Rick and Morty, he'd just like... No, he'd just turn up and 
turn up and like wreck everybody's marks just to... he, he would he would just he would just make the moon crash into the burn uh the, the uh, city anyway um <laughs> so how <laughs> Turn Link into a pickle. Harry, <laughs> can you beat that? No. <laughs> Neither can I. No. We'll, we'll just go with the fact that Link died. We'll just stick with that. <laughs> Link, Link's in a coma. Bro, thank you, Harry. <laughs> I can't top that. I mean... No. Wow. Because there's a lot of theories into what happens to Link at this point. Now, I'm going to go on what I believe is happening and what a quite a wider range of people believe that are happening in this game. And this is going to be the sort of the gel and the glue that keeps this story together. And that is that Link has either passed away or he's in a coma. Now, obviously how that happened, we don't know, or if it was linked to this moment, but it there becomes much comes down to what happens in this story. So there is something called the five stages of grief, and that is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And these five stages are very much represented in the five areas that you will visit in Termina, the parallel universe to Hyrule. Because you've got denial, the first one, and that's very much the denial of the, the clock town of that this moon is going to crash. This whole thing of will the carnival start, will it not start, but there's this denial that they are in any impending doom. You've got the anger of the Deku King in the swamps. The Deku King missing his daughter and taking out the poor little monkey. Poor little monkey. You've got bargaining. When you've, you encounter the ghost of um, Damani. And Damani, the Goron King, is trying to bargain with you to, to give him back his mortal coil. He says to you, I beg you, bring me back with your magic. And then you've got depression. And depression very much represents Lulu of the Zora, Zora uh, troop. That she's depressed um, and initially prevents her from speaking. So she doesn't speak because of her depression. You can't really blame her. She's speechless because she's lost her eggs, i.e. her children. Her children. And then you've got acceptance. And acceptance is very much... It's a bit more tricky. You've got the stone temple, but everything is filled with death. And there's almost this acceptance of death in these stages. So if we take those into, fa into account, I would say that this has very much been, or is a very big coincidence, that it's very much staged around these stages of grief. And I don't think it's someone coming to grips with Link passing on. I think it's Link coming to grips that he has passed on. Because if you have a look at the characters, as we said, you know, they reuse character mod models to reduce time. But it's almost like he's reliving faces that he's seen of his past. A lot of these characters are characters that have been repeated from Ocarina of Time, so his adventures. 
you know, you've got the creepy mask seller. That's almost like his guide to good. Um, but even though he is creepy as hell. He is creepy as hell, you know. No no other character can give you a friendly neck shake, um, as well as an unfriendly neck shake. But he, he teaches you the song of healing. And obviously, healing is, is coming to acceptance. And then you've got the Skull Kid, who's influenced by the bad, and almost a contrast to everything that Link stands for. You've also revisit a story and yeah yeah this is where you come in tingle because you know there have been a lot of people that talk around and when we're not going to go into tingle and maybe stereotypes that he represents i'm not, I'm not going to touch on that however i personally think that this re- this goes back to how link was before navi came to him it's almost an innocence of youth with tingle there's an he's 35 he knows a little bit of magic he's trying to stand out and it's almost a reflection of the child trapped into an adult's body um to me that represents when link was becoming adult link he's still mentally a child in an adult's body and he never really had a childhood he was always the outsider he was always the outsider in the Kikiri village. He was the only one without a fairy. So I think that personally in this story, because this is the first time we see Tingle, I think he represents that child wanting to belong, however trapped into that adult's body. And you've even got it with the inclusion of the bombers. So the bombers is, is trying to be a part of a group. You know, you get given the bomber book, and we'll go more into the bomber notebook later. However, you you want to be a part of that crew, and and initially they reject you as the Deku scrub because you're different, because you have a difference, and this is very much repeated throughout the game that you can only go into certain areas with certain forms of link because you're not an adult or you're you're not a, spe- a certain type of species you know it is very much repeating that story of his childhood before navi came to him and also the moon itself now I know the moon scares the bejesus out of some people. Um, But if you have a look at its face, its face, to me, is the same face that Ganondorf was pulling when he was taken into the spirit realm when Link defeated him. And maybe there is almost a trauma there that Link... You've got to remember, this Link... He did defeat Ganondorf. He did defeat Ganon. However, in this timeline, in this timeline, we'll go into second timelines later, but in this timeline, Ganondorf is still alive. He is still alive at this time. So Link never defeated him. So maybe this, as I said, these are a lot of maybes, but this is how I dissect Majora's Mask. Maybe that is a reflection that Link feels a sense of guilt for not being there to defeat Ganondorf. And then we come on to a huge part of this game, and that's the masks. And the masks, one of them Majora's Mask, which is almost anxiety-driven. 
and anybody that suffers from PTSD or any form of anxiety, it's it's crippling. And that mask is very anxiety-driven. You know, the colours, the design, the eyes that seem to pierce through you. I, I think that, personally, that mask is... Oh, it gives me the willies. I love it. But then there's a sense of... It's that when you were a kid and you were watching Doctor Who or, or anything along those lines where you want to look, but you don't want to look. And to me, that that's that anxiety that's driven behind his unfinished business. And then you've got the other masks that you can turn into, which is the Deku, which you, you don't really have a backstory to that Deku. You are transformed into that Deku, but you, you do come across a tree and that tree looks very sad. And you don't see that tree until the end credits later. But you, it is that very much that case of... He's feeling sad. He's been converted into this thing that he doesn't want to be. And, and then we go on to the Goron mask. And that's almost primeval of a family being separated too soon. A father losing a son. A, a, a son losing a father. You know, it, it's very much that primeval... Oh, it, it, that one hits me. As a parent, that one really hits me. And then we come on to the basis of me as a, a husband. When you lose someone you love. Um, and you lose someone that you... It's, yeah... It's very much that case with the Zora mask. It's losing someone you love. Losing children, boyfriend husband you know it's something that no one ever wants to face so before we come off and we actually go into what is real in this story <laughs> not just my theories i think that these things are very important um for children's development teenage development of having a game that dissects death is really, really important. And I think even if you don't like Majora's Mask, I hope you agree that Majora's Mask actually culturally holds a very important place because I can't think of a game of this magnitude actually addressing death like this does. If it's Link dead or, or not, you still have those elements that you are addressing death in a very personal way not just by killing things you know like link likes to do he likes to run into uh and kill innocent animals but we, we've already addressed this on the last podcast but you are you are actually you're you're facing death that you could face on a day-to-day -day basis losing people that you love losing friends losing family members you know i think that these games are so so important so in the story, we've left Link falling down into this parallel universe, looking for Navi, almost looking for that sense of fulfillment or, or friendship that he has lost. And he falls down and the Skull Kid has told you that he's actually got rid of another friend of yours he's actually got rid of a pona in what seems like seconds he's, he was very quick to that but obviously time has passed as you have fallen down this hole and he converts you into the deku scrub almost throwing you as a player into a completely different playing experience everything that you knew as link 
has now been, ah, you can't play as Link as you know him for that first part of the game, which I think is really good. It adds that difference straight away into how you play this game. So Skull Kid goes off laughing as he's converted you for what he thinks forever into this Deku scrub. And Tattle decides that she's going to randomly attack you and tell you off. Almost being manipulated by the mask itself. And I think that Teal, even though he is the dark and the purple one, he has actually kept more of that innocence to him. And it isn't until Tattle is away from that mask that then she stops caring about what Skull Kid's doing. She now cares about her brother. It's very much that sort of sibling love this uh, this sibling love that rides through this game of her wanting to make sure that her brother is safe and if that means that she allies up with link to do so so be it so you're in now venture up into this parallel universe called termina and before you are able to go outside and see clock town for the first time you're encountered by a face that you knew quite well from Ocarina of Time, and that is the mask collector or salesman. He gets referred to as both, um, but I always refer to him as the mask collector. And he informs you that he's had something very special taken away from him. And he can see your plight. This is used the word, this word, this word, all the way through the game, referring back to Link's plight. He can see your plight and he can help revive you. And he tells you, if you go and get your precious item, he can he, he's able to help you. So this is where your first journey into the, the, the uh, clock town starts. And he tells you that he's going to be gone in three days. So originally, the three days, even though you can see the moon and you interact with the characters that can see the moon and you know the carnival's going on and it doesn't know if they're going to continue because of the moon, um, it's very much a case of, to begin with, it's because the salesman goes in three days. But with the help of the great fairy, who's able to give you magic powers to blow bubbles, uh, with the help of uh, the uh, Professor, Professor Sh- Shakashi uh, and the Bombers, you're able to go to the top of the clock tower and face off against Skull Kid and Majora's Mask. But it's not really a face-off. You blow a bubble at him. He drops the ocarina. And you go to this cutscene of when Zelda gave you that ocarina. And so she says, whenever you're in trouble play the song of time and you play the song of time and you reset back to day one everything goes back to day one and after being healed by this uh, mask collector or salesman he asks you where is my precious thing now you've got your precious thing and he then gets a bit angry and a bit upset and explains that this mask that the Skull Kid is wearing is a very ancient artifact of evil and that Majora's mask is is controlling the Skull Kid. And last time around, when Majora's mask was controlling somebody, it destroyed the world. 
and that's very relevant into the fact of why the moon's crashing to the ground because Majora's Mask, not the Skull Kid, is causing the end of the world again. And this is where your journey starts. And your journey is two separate journeys, I would say. And they sort of intertwine, but you've got the temples. And this very much is the case that there hasn't ever been a Majora's Mask, with, oh, sorry, a Zelda game with so little temples. Majora's Mask only has four temples to it. Yet, a lot of puzzle solving. A lot of puzzle solving. But the great fun of this game is to help the people of Tam uh, Termina come to uh, conclusions of their plights. You know, you've got... You, you, you help the people out. You have to be in certain places at certain times. You have to go and save a Pona. You have to... You know, there's so many intertwined things with this. And to get to each stage, you have to continue your journey with the temples. So it's almost like you can't do one without doing the other. You have to help out people in their plight to then continue on with your temples. And you have to complete the ten temples to help, help people in their plights around the city and outside of the city itself. You know, you, you've got areas where you, you can upgrade your bits and bobs. So, yeah, the, <laughs> Link might have been too young to wield the time of uh, the, the Sword of Time. However, that Mahusive Gilded Sword, yeah, that's no problem with that. He can, he can carry a flipping sword the same size as him and wield it, that. But not the not the not the sword of time. No, he has to he has to become bigger for that. Um, and you, you you also got little fun things along the way of betting with dogs. You can learn uh, what the lottery numbers will be, so you can you know you can get yourself lottery numbers, uh, win the lottery every blinking time. You know you, you this all sort of intertwines to the point of that you are moving forward with your story and as i said you you've got to do one to do the other so after deciding to uh bet on the lottery and do some bits inside the clock town you venture out for the first time and when you do venture out for the first time you'll see a painting on one of the logs just outside as you head towards the swamp and this um, painting is of the Skull Kid and Tattle and um, Teal. And Tattle tells you the story of how, you know, in the early days they found him. And he was sad because his friends, his friends, remember that for the end, his friends left him and abandoned him. And you then learn the story, actually, that he was really cheeky, but he wasn't naughty. He wasn't, he wasn't evil. He wasn't evil. He was, he was a bit cheeky, a bit naughty. Um, but when he got hold of that mask, it changed everything. And I think this is, yet again, Tattle, because she's without the mask, she she starts opening up and she starts being more herself. So that's where you start to actually realise that the mask is the villain here. It's not the Skull Kid. And masks, shall we go on to them, shall we? Now, masks. Masks are a massive part of this game. And actually, the masks are really important to you because without those masks, you cannot complete the game easily. And we'll come on to that in a second because it is really important you don't rush this game. 
you need to take your time. You need to go and make sure you collect every damn fairy in every single dungeon. You need to make sure that you are completing tasks. You're finding those heart pieces. You know, you, you need to use those masks to help you. And you've got 22 of the lovely things to get. <laughs> 22 of the pesky things as well as the masks of the remains of each of the bosses and each of them will help you in different ways and do you know what i'm gonna go through every single one of those masks with you so we'll start with the great fairy mask now the great fairy mask as i said in every single dungeon you have to collect bloody 15 of those bloody fairies to create the uh, great fairy and that helps you with the basis of that you're gonna get more and more magic and more and more life and the, you know you have to make sure you take that time because we'll come to the end boss in a minute but you're going to need it you've got the bremen mask which allows you to control chicks and chickens and allow them to march after you it's a leader's mask supposedly but that will help you in your little journeys as well you've got some reoccurring masks actually before we go into that you've got some that are visited in ocarina of time so you've got the bunny hood which makes you run quicker you've got the keaton mask which was all the rage in hyrule but here it actually allows you to see keaton's definitely they're not nine tails they're not nine tails they look exactly like nine tails but they're not they're ketons but if you answer their questions correctly they will give you a heart piece you've also got the mask of truth obviously the mask of truth you're able to talk to the stones and find out information and find out bits that will help you along your journey um and then you've got other other masks that are completely new so you've got the blast mask one of the first masks you pick up but it's actually really handy that you don't have to keep on worrying about having bombs uh you, with the blast mask it will create it you 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 explode yourself as long as you've got your shield up, you're fine. Um, but you explode yourself. You've got the troop leader mask, which is him crying, which adds sympathy to people. You've got the mask of sense if you need to go and find specific mushrooms to create specific potions later on. You've got the uh, Camaro's mask, which is a dancer that you he's you can see him with the lens uh, the lens of truth. You know, you can then teach people that dance, and you can make their lives better. You know, yet again, very dark. It's his head stitched on your face. A bit creepy. Um, you've got the uh, Don Dongero's mask, which you're able then to communicate with frogs. Yet again, you're able to get those heart pieces, build up your energy. You've got the postman's hat. Well, it's not a mask, it's a hat. Which means that you're able to uh, go into the post boxes. Um, if there's nothing in there, you can get an extra rupee. Um, but it will help you out on your way to getting the couple's mask. You've got the uh, Romani's mask, which is a cow mask, which means that you can go into the club. You've got Kefi's uh, mask, which is helping you along that ray of getting the uh, couple's mask, which a lot of these do. You've got the sun mask, the moon mask. You've got the couple's mask, which was an absolutely un massive undertaking, as you've just heard from Misha. You've got the all all night mask, which allows you to go and speak to the little grandmother who tells you stories um, to get other pieces. You've got the Goro's mask, which allows you to summon these these bloody 
assassins that keep attacking you. You've got the captain's mask. will help you with the... You can then communicate to the skull people. You've got the Gibdo mask, which allows you to not be attacked by those annoying zombies you've got so many great masks in this game and this all builds up to that final battle <laughs> oh here he is it's tingle wonder when you're gonna pop in okay okay it is time to find out what you guys or some of the thoughts you had whilst playing this game I personally don't mind it. I think it is a complete turnaround of the series. It's literally in the upside down. Yes. (laughs) It's a great way of putting it. Spot on. It it literally is. It scared me. That moon still haunts me to this day. (laughs) I think it haunts everyone. I couldn't really get into it when I first played it because it was still trying to get used to the whole time travel also where the heck am i going (laughs) i could not get anywhere and um it was only later on when i i saw other people play it um because i didn't officially complete it but i have seen uh friends i've watched them play it so you just think this is so unique I, i can understand why some people don't like it it's like uh, Link, uh legend zelda 2 people don't like it because it's a bit different from the original but I d- it's again... following up from one of the best it's yeah. not an easy thing to do oh god no the big shoes to fill there so of course mm-hmm. majora's mask was going to have those shoes to fill but uh it's a shame because i think it is one of those games it could stand out on its own just for being so unique and a, and a different storyline where it's just so dark. But then obviously we did have ones later on, but at, at the time it was just more, yeah. oh. Looking at you, GameCube, with your weird <laughs> emo child. <laughs> and Twilight Princess, I'm looking yeah. at you. <laughs> so, yeah. It's yeah. Out, but, you know, whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, dear. um... I mean, I played the remake on 3DS, uh, and I think I enjoyed that a lot more than when I played it on the GameCube originally. Well, I mean, we, ba- I mean, you know, if you know, we, if we, you know, better doing deep, deep diving into our 80s movie references, you know, um, you know, uh, we went from you know Big slash Freaky Friday to Groundhog. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that is a very good way of putting it. That is. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud you. <laughs> so and, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I can under, I can, I can. What was it that people didn't like about? I mean, was it the tone? Was it that people didn't like the uh, the the seventy two hour mechanic? I, I've had loads of people. It's one of those things that I have discussed until I'm blue in the face because I don't know if you guys have seen my um, studio slash office, but I have a Skull Kid sat here. with uh, I've got Skull Kid with the Majora's mask on. Look at his hand. I think it is the most visually satisfying. I don't know what it is with the art, art in it, the whole carnival, the outside of the town, the vibrant colours in this game. I love Majora's Mask. I'm never going to say it's going to be Ocarina of Time. This is why I'm not doing a battle for Jinjos with this. But it, it to me, it is a stunning visually and storyline. Like how 
the interwoven storylines going yeah. through that. I, I, name me another game like it. Getting the, get, you know, getting the main when you do the the uh, you know going through all the stuff to get the couple's mask. Oh yes, that's one of the biggest fist bump moments ever. The fact that you, the fact that you've got to be there at you know it's like you've got to be there at exactly the right time for exactly these two moments. You've got to stop the thief at 10 o'clock on the first night. You've got to make sure you go back and per- get the other martyr. There's so many bits. You need the stone mask for it. You, it constantly keeps you on your toes. And the first time I completed that, I did not look at a guide. Second time, I had to look at a guide. I was in my 30s. Um, but when I first completed that at 15 years old, that was proper fist pump moment. And cheating at the raffle. Yes! <laughs> Knowing the lottery numbers every time and just go down and buying a ticket. <laughs> and, and, I mean, may, I, mean the, I guess the thing you might, I mean, you might, I mean, it didn't, I guess the world of Majora's Mask didn't feel quite as open-worldy as Hyrule Field did. I, I agree. You know, you've got only four temples, really, um, compared mm. to the... 12 that you get with including the ice cavern i'm going to include the ice cavern so 12 that you get with um ocarina of time so you're going from a game that is heavily templed to a game that has four name me another zelda game not even the original the original had eight temples so was there another zelda game with as little temples as majora's mask i don't formal temples i don't think so there were eight temples in uh no there were all this you know there were six temples in uh linked to the, in uh zelda 2 mm-hmm. i think um eight was there eight in uh link to the past no well no you had the seven you had um the seven you had the seven temples plus ganon's tower in mm. In, in uh link to the in in the dark world plus the te- the three medallion temples in uh, yeah. the light world um link's awakening had eight um i think i mean i vaguely remember that skyward sword didn't have that many out and out temples but i'm sure mm-hmm. it had more than four that's just my memory i mean it's been a long time since i played it but then you look at skyward swords and that's another another Zelda game where people either love Skyward Sword or hate Skyward Sword. Um, I've never heard anybody... It's that Majora's Mask. You get you get people that either love it or you hate it, you know, and both will defend either point to the moon and back, even though nine times out of ten you actually ask someone who hates Majora's Mask if they've played it and they say no. Of course, um, if, you're, if you're debating with Majora's Mask, you don't have to... To the moon and back isn't very long. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> uh, I've got a moon tear in my eye with that one. Very lovely. <laughs> it was just more creepy. I thought it, it was just very more of the. You had the light and bubbly side to Legend of Ocarina Time. You had like the happy ending, and then suddenly you're thrust into this whole different time of feeling uncomfortable on edge because you're running out of time so it was a complete 180 of um take it slow and steady to oh my god i do the gotta do this quick otherwise i'm gonna the moon's gonna destroy me sort of thing 
Because <laughs> I didn't want that moon any nearer to me. <laughs> no, no. It was even worse than 3DS, that moon. <laughs> there, they added more detail into its face, didn't they? Oh, no. oh, Don't make God. it creepier. <laughs> I think the one the one thing I that always stuck with one particular thing always stuck with me from Jaws uh, Mask and it's actually a criticism it's like the world's pettiest criticism I promise um, when they when you go and uh, do the uh, do the Zora and you're hanging out with his band um, oh, and yeah oh yeah can we talk about the that oh, that I can imagine a lot of people didn't like it's like okay. I'm going to put on the mask of this dead person. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit chainsaw to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, really, isn't it? Putting on the face. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I, was, I was, like, kind of going necrophobic there. Um, you know, there is some serious Clive Barker shizzle going on, <laughs> all up in that. But, no, but it was like. When they announce, you know, it's like the the Zora band. Um, no, but um, no, but so you you introduce the band, you introduce the band, and it's like we're gonna play our number one, we're gonna play our, our best known track, the Ballad of the Windfish, and I'm like, great. And it's not the Ballad of the Windfish. No, it's not. The Ballad of the Windfish is the song that Marin teaches you for the ocarina in Zelda Link's Awakening. In fact. The uh, the the flute the flute you use to summon the to summon the duck in uh, Link to the Past. Well, that's questionable. But, but the first time it's referred to as an ocarina is in Link's Awakening. The very first song that any version of Link ever learns on an ocarina is the Ballad of the Windfish. And then you get a weird jazzy concept. So it is Which a real jazzy. No, nothing like the actual Battle of the Windfish. I, I was fully expecting them to drop the to drop a massive Easter egg in that one, and just have them playing a uh, like a four piece band arrangement of the Ballad of the Windfish. It said and... they dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once. You've completed all the temples. Once you've collected all those masks and explored every inch of Termina, you're able to go to the clock tower, summon the giants, and they will stop the moon. But at that point, the mask rejects the Skull Kid. And at that point, it escapes into the moon itself. And you follow it in. You follow it into the moon. And you're in this dream world... And very much we come back to that element of, um, you know, Link being dead. It's almost like a heavenly sort of mystical world. Um, and at this point, there's little children there wearing the masks of the the bosses that you've completed. And you can trade in your masks with every single one of those uh, those guys. And if you do, then you get the Fierce Deity Mask. Now, the best way of describing, if you've never seen the Fierce Deity Mask, it turns you back into Adult Link with the Bigeron Sword, um, but you are able to shoot magic, almost like um, how Ganondorf uh, and Phantom Ganon fire their sort of balls of magic at you. You can fire those balls of magic at the final boss. 
And you can only, unfortunately, use this mask during bosses. It's a bit of a shame because, you know, we have um, other masks that I uh, actually failed to mention, which was the giant's mask. And the giant's mask you can only use at a certain point on the final boss. But with this, with the fierce deity mask, you can only use that on bosses. But it is vital because you are not going into Phantom Ganon Mark II, which Ganondorf is, um, and then facing off against Ganon, which isn't the hardest of end bosses. Majora's Mask, when you face off against that, it is an undertaking. And first of all, you have the Majora's Mask, and it floats around, and it's got tentacles on it, and it does a spiral attack on you, and you're able to sort of spin attack on it or um, shoot light arrows at its back, and then it falls down, and then you're able to attack it. You do that several times, um, as well as being attacked by the four masks that you've collected from the other bosses that are also firing out uh, lasers at you. Majora's Mask fires out lasers at you. You're able to reflect them back at the mask itself you know it's that first that first boss you're thinking god this is a challenge but then you defeat it and it changes almost into an incarnation of a child so the majora's incarnation is so it grows legs it goes very childish the the music brilliantly matches this character that it's a very toy piano effect um as it dances around, runs around like a child would, falls over. When you trip it over, it falls over like my seven-year-old would. Uh, it is very much the case that it's... It, it, yeah, again, it's almost Link defeating that child side to him, in my in my eyes. that That is very much him coming to acceptance with his childhood. The Majora's incarnation is a very childlike state that Link may have never experienced in his life and he never had that development. So after it falling over and you hitting it over and, you know, <laughs> it's it's sort of running around, dancing around, moonwalking around at one point as well. Um, you know, it's it crying when it falls over. It, it, it's, it, it gets defeated. And then you face off against one of the best Zelda bosses there have been, and that is Majora's Wrath. Now, it, it juices up, so its legs, uh, its arms uh, become very big, very muscly, um, and then proceeds to attack you with its massive whips that it's grown. And it is badass. And it's ten times harder than Ganon ever was. Um, you, you really go away with this feeling a sense when you do defeat him of pure like oh get in there and as i said you know you did have those moments in ocarina of time with the temples but there was and a lot of people do say you know when, when you defeat ganon ganon was way too easy you know you just needed to circle the bloke and then hit him on the tail with the hammer and then stab him in the face you know that that's all you really needed to do where with Majora's Wrath, it's it's difficult because you have to get close to him. He's whipping you. And then as he um as you get closer and he becomes close to life, he starts kicking you away. He then starts producing these spiral blades, which everyone's very much knows from uh, Zelda. You know, lovely spiral blades with eyes on top of them. They're attacking you as well. So you have to think so tactically when facing Zelda's Wrath, because you have to hit him with your sword. 
And without the um, fierce deity uh, mask, this is... It, it, it's going to take you a good half an hour for this end boss. And I think that the majority of time spent on Ocarina of Time would be on, um, you know, the longevity of it. Yes, there's three stages to that. But I would say the hardest part of that is trying to escape the falling castle. Um, but you don't get that sense of fulfillment. But you eventually defeat Majora's Wrath. And you go back down to, you go back down to the clock tower and the evil moon blows up. And goes into the sky and a beautiful rainbow goes across ta Termina. And everyone stands outside rejoicing as the world has been saved. And you, it's brilliant because in, obviously the running theme all the way through this is dawn of the first day. And then it comes up with a light background, not a dark background. So it's white on black, uh, so black and white. And it says dawn of a new day. And Skull Kid is free. And it's almost like he's, he doesn't have any memory of almost what's happened. Um, and he he notices uh, he one he thanks his friends so and these are the same friends that he thought had abandoned him he thought these guys had abandoned him completely so that's a lovely little step as well that his friends came to his help even though you think yet again I, I think you start to decide in yourself that the mask is the villain not the skull kid but there's still that thing off that there's still hope that he was good there was still hope that they could separate that mask and get their friend back. It, at the same time, they helped uh, defeat, uh, they st helped stop the mask and they helped save the world, but they also saved their friend. And then the mask seller appears and he bids you a farewell. And he says these really important things that I go back to this story of almost Link come to an acceptance of his own death. He says, whenever there is a meeting, a parting is sure to follow. However, that parting need not last forever. Whether a parting be forever or merely a short time, that's up to you. And it, it's, I don't know, it's just a perfect way to end this story. I think it's such a lovely, as I said, I think it's a journey for not just Link, but for a younger audience, it is, as I said, repeating myself, but it is that first acceptance of death. It's that it's a very important subject that should be brought up with kids. And I think Nintendo have absolutely nailed this. But Terminal rejoices. The carnival time going ahead and Link finding himself back in the forest. So after seeing all of Termina celebrate in the credits, Link finds himself back in the forest. And there's one important last scene. And that's him running off into the light. But this is not the last time we see the hero of time. We see him again all the way in 2006 so in november november 2006 twilight princess was launched 
Now, there was another Zelda game that came out for the GameCube, which uh, was announced uh, back on the 25th of the 8th, 2000. So only a couple of months after this game came out. Now, to visit this a little bit now, because as you can imagine, maybe in the future, I will go into GameCube. Very long time. As I said, we've got five years until we get to conquer. But in the future, maybe I will visit the GameCube. And the announcement of the GameCube on the 25th of the 8th, 2000, saw a tech demo. Now, this tech demo showed an amazing 3D fight between you and Ganondorf. And it got people excited. However, that wasn't the game to come out for Zelda. It wasn't a serious game like we had seen before. Link and Zelda went a completely different direction. And they went back to the world of Hyrule. But Hyrule had been flooded to keep Ganondorf down. And this is where we come off into the split timeline. Because there are two split timelines now. You've got what happened after the Hero of Time. Which is very much when we come into Wind Waker. So Wind Waker, it happened. They remember Link saving the world. However, the world has been flooded, but they still celebrate the hero of time. But it was a very... Yet again, people were split down the middle with Majora's Mask. There is a reason why I got a PlayStation 2 before getting a GameCube. And I was so looking forward to continuing my story... Yeah, I saw the different in art direction, and I really didn't like it. I, I, I mean, I want to play it now, but I've never played it. But I made an assumption over that art direction. And as I said, that veers off into one timeline. Yet another timeline is coming off the back of this game. Obviously, the Hero of Time wasn't ever a thing. People can't remember the Hero of Time because Link went back into the past. Now, with this, Ganondorf is still, he's still, uh, he's still alive, and they try to kill him, but he goes into the Twilight Realm. And you're looking at this basis of that Link, the Link that you encounter in this game, needs some help. And that's where the Hero Shade comes in. So the Hero Shade is a a wolf uh, that appears uh, when you transcend into a wolf and helps you through your li- uh, your your journey um and he teaches you uh seven sword techniques um to help you uh to the end goal i've got to admit i'm about halfway through twilight princess so i don't know what that goal is <laughs> and i'm not looking ahead um but he does he helps you along the way but that's almost like our little link our little link child link the what the true hero of time that's the end of his journey he may not have got the recognition that he did for being the hero of time he never saw that he never saw that wind waker timeline but he did see a new link come into this world and he was able to help him and pass on as a hero Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. That was a mini history of Zelda. That 
is yeah it it's i have spent a lot of time researching this i figured out where i'm going to go with the podcast over the next 5 years um that little series there you don't understand how important that is and how much time i've put into that um and yeah i i'm really happy to say that that's our first mini history it's not the last it's the first but it does mean when uh i've already done two mini histories so these these episodes do you know what they have been saved they will be repeated <laughs> so i've i've banked two podcasts for the future when we see the launch of ocarina of time and majora's mask tell you what if that's not pre-planning i don't know what is <laughs> But it's your time to start pre-planning because, as you know, the next podcast I am back for is another battle for Jinjos. And that is between these two games. Yes, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Conquer's Bad Fur Day. It's just, as I record this now, this is, (laughs) this hits 20 years today. No mini history every 25, 25 year anniversary, five years time. Uh, But that will be facing off against this game. Silicon Valley. Now, I've had a, quite a few people that are saying, hang on, Cliff, they're quite different games. They are. But we will be addressing a very important subject. And that subject is humour inside games. Because these two games very much represent a humour. Um, and we will go into that when we do the Battle for Jinjos. We'll do it for obviously properly, where we look at storyline, gameplay, uh, graphics and sound, uh, the IGN uh, scores. And then obviously I will be putting this up on Twitter. So go and have a look next week up on N64 Life podcast on the old Twitter. All uh, come and join us on our Discord. Uh, all information is on the link tree that is uh, on the twitter so please come and join us on the discord but i will be putting those up against each other because it is a very important thing humor in games and they definitely address humor in different ways that's why i'm doing these two games uh, is <laughs> yes they are very different but they both address humor in different ways because i tell you what you would both belly art laugh at both but they definitely come from two sides of humour. <laughs> uh, go and watch uh, now and then uh, 64's uh, video on uh, Conquer. It is very dev- divisive, but <laughs> it's a very interesting look. So please go make sure you do that. I will be back in two weeks' time. And ladies and gentlemen, it, it, it may well be that we have put to bed this theme so when when you listen to my podcast you're here there is a version of uh the bowser battle the original bowser battle from mario 64 um 
very nicely, I am having made a theme tune. So, next time around, hopefully, touch wood, we should see the bespoke, it's completely unique to me, theme tune of N64 Life. And I cannot wait. And as I said before... I had that realisation that we're going to be doing this for a good old five years. There will be things added. There is a YouTube channel for N64 Live podcast. Um, go and search for it now. Um, it, it, there's nothing up there yet, but there will be. And I did make this announcement on the uh, Twitch that there will be um, <sighs> lists. <laughs> I will be doing lists, yes. I will be getting around to doing that. Um, obviously, once uh, this is all over, the pandemic, uh, it, it will give me time to have a bit more... T I know it sounds weird, but having the structure work um, and not being two weeks on, two weeks off, and not having my days off when I need them will actually give me a bit of structure that I'm able to create more content. I know that sounds weird. But it is. And, and obviously over the next coming weeks, uh, my child goes back to school, which means uh, I'm very much able to uh, go and create more content. So watch this space. This is only the beginning. That's it. The first history of Zelda done. The first a mini history done. Let's look forward to September. As we all know what came out then. And if you need to get hold of me, obviously, and Twitter is at N64Life Podcast. There you will see a link tree that will send you through to everything from Twitch, uh, N64Life Podcast on Twitch, to uh, YouTube, which uh, is not got anything on there yet, um, uh, to, to uh, Twitter, uh, to instagram that's the one um so yeah so please come and make sure you go and follow me on absolutely everything if you do need to email me it's at uh sorry n64 life podcast at gmail.com come and join the discord channel we're having lots of laughs on there it's awesome it's brilliant it's fun yeah do you know what i've spoken enough i've now clicked up a hundred one hour 30 minutes <laughs> I'm going now. I'm going now before I lose my mind. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Game.